Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail them to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in 1 Peter. That's the first general epistle of Peter. And we're in chapter 4. We have read through verse 11 and discussed through verse 11. Let's begin at verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye, sh- ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. He calls us beloved. It's often that he calls us beloved in this passage, in this scripture, in this letter. He says, don't think it's something unusual when the fiery trials come upon you. Don't think that some strange thing has happened to you when the trials come. You are not to be thinking that, hey, this is unusual. This is something I don't deserve. This is something I don't expect. We are to expect it to happen to us. He says, don't think it's strange, but rejoice. And so we are to receive the fiery trials, the troubles, the difficulties, and we are to have joy in the midst of such struggles because, inasmuch, it says, as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Now, Christ suffered over 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary. That was his physical suffering in this life, in this world. But we are partakers with Christ of his suffering. Now that's exciting to me, not to have to suffer, but it's exciting to me to know that when I do suffer for Christ, that I am entered into the sufferings of Jesus Christ himself. Rejoice, he says, because you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. And then he goes on to tell us that when Christ's glory is going to be shown to all, that we'll be glad with exceeding joy because we will have taken part in this suffering. We will have shared with Christ. Verse 14, if you be reproached, For the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So, if we suffer for the name of Christ, if we're reproached for the name of Christ, if we are made fun of, or if someone batters us and batters our reputation, we're to be happy. 
Not happy because we hurt. No, no, not in some sick way at all. We are to be happy because we are partakers with Christ. We are to be happy because the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God rests upon us. And the world thinks of Christ to speak evil of him. But we, who are Christ's own elect, we who are part of the church, we who are followers of Jesus Christ, we who are heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus our Lord, we glorify Christ, and he is glorified in us. Verse 15, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody, in other men's matters. He says again, as he did in chapter 3, it's better for you to suffer for the cause of Christ than it is for you to suffer for human frailty or for evil doing. Don't suffer as someone who has murdered or someone who is a thief or as some other evil doer. Not even as a gossip, not even as a busybody in other men's matters. Don't suffer that way. Suffer for Christ. Verse 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, that means for Christ, let him not be ashamed, but let him glory, that is glorify, let him glorify God on this behalf. Again, he's trying to impress upon you and upon me that we are to rejoice in the very fact that we suffer for Christ. We're not suffering for ourselves. We're not suffering for humankind. We're not suffering because we did something wrong. We're suffering for the cause of Christ. Verse 17, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Once again, Peter is reminding us that if we who love Christ must have judgment, if we who love Christ must suffer ridicule, if we who love Christ must suffer in this world for the cause of Christ, then we're not to be ashamed. We're to glorify God because we understand that the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Now, let me ask you a question. This judgment that comes upon us is coming upon us because God has planned it in this fashion. And he's planned for the people of God and the house of God to be where judgment first comes. Not first on the world, but first upon the house of God. 
first upon the people of God, first upon the bride of Christ. And if it first began at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel? What will be of the end of them who obey not the gospel? It is something that is too great, too difficult for my poor, small imagination. If judgment comes first to the Christian, if judgment comes first to the follower of Christ, and we are judged, and we're ridiculed, and we're tried, what's going to happen to those that have no faith in Christ and have no Redeemer in Christ, that have no salvation, that have no end of the judgment. You see, our judgment took place on Calvary, the judgment of God upon our sin. And these judgments that come to the house of God and begins at us have a limitation because Christ has suffered for us. However, the judgment that goes to these who do not have faith in Christ and do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, this judgment has no ending. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Let's talk about that for just a moment. For those who do not have faith In Jesus Christ, we read in Revelation that they are turned into the lake of fire. They're thrown into the lake of fire, and the fire is never put out. It's never quenched. And there is no dying there. There's only torment there. That's the end or the end condition, it never ends, it never stops, but it's the end condition, the terminal condition, if you will, of those that do not obey the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? What he says here is not that we shall be saved only by a thread. No, we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But he says, if the righteous scarcely be saved, that means we are saved by a miracle, and indeed we are, the blood of Jesus Christ, then where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? They'll appear at the judgment that God has reserved for them, and they will be cast into the lake of fire. Verse 19, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Understand, first of all, that God is our creator. Know, secondly, that God is our judge. 
and know also that if we suffer according to the will of God as followers of Jesus Christ, then we are keeping our souls, if you will, in God. He commits to keeping our souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator because Christ Jesus is indeed that faithful creator. 1 Peter chapter 5, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples or ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. This portion, verses 1 through 5 of 1 Peter 5, it introduces a charge to the elders. Now, elder is a term that was used in Israel. In Exodus 18.21, for example, and it described the men who ruled in the village or in the community. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it's used to describe the men who rule in the church. The term is synonymous with the word bishop. And it's a term often overlapping for pastor in some forms of the church in the modern time. A crown of glory is promised to faithful pastors when the chief shepherd shall appear. The rewards will be realized when Jesus returns for his church. So he begins here at verse 1 of chapter 5 with the elders which are among you, I exhort. He says, I want to speak specifically to the elders. He says, I'm an elder. I was a witness to the physical sufferings of Jesus Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Not only is it to be revealed, but it will be revealed in us. Feed the flock of God, he says. It's a charge. It's a command. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. We feed the flock. What's the flock? The flock is the church, the local assembly of believers. These members that make up the flock 
take the oversight thereof. Now, there's some people that don't want pastors to superintend or supervise the church. Why would they not want that when it's found here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, and it's a charge to the elders? The elders are the men who have been called of God to serve in the capacity of shepherd, bishop, pastor, elder. And so we are to feed the flock of God. How do you do that? It is a spiritual feeding, and we are to feed the flock of God by presenting the word of Jesus Christ. The Bible is to be preached and taught to the church. Now, we can't do that for everybody, the church universal, but we can do it for the church local, those that are among you, it says in verse 2. And we need to take the oversight thereof, that is the superintending of them, the supervising of them, but not by constraint, not because we're forced to, but we're to do so willingly. Now that also cuts the other way. Uh, The people are not to be constrained. They are to be supervised, overseen, willingly. They are to let the pastor do his job. And the pastor's not to do it for money's sake, but because they've been called to it. They're to have a ready mind. They're not to be lords over God's heritage, that is, these, these uh, potentates, but they're to be examples to the people in the church. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, that is, when Christ returns, the elders, the pastors, will receive a crown of glory that fades not away. The younger folks are to submit themselves unto the older folks. And all are to be subject one to another. We're to be clothed with humility. And there's a reason for that, because God resists the proud. He says he hates a proud look. He hates an arrogant glance. So we're to be clothed with humility, just as if we put on a cloak, just as if we put on an overcoat, just as if we put on a suit of clothes, there to be humility. And the clothes is not to be herringbone suit, not to be a seersucker suit or a woolen suit. It's to be humility. And so we're to be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. The promise is here. The charge is given to feed the flock. The charge is given to be examples to the flock. The charge is given to be humble in your leadership. The charge is given to the church to be humble in their followership. All of it 
is to be done decently and in order according to the direction of Christ through Peter and through Paul in their writings about this very thing. And here we're told that God, and this is a reminder that we find in Proverbs and in the Psalms, God resists the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Do you know God's grace today? Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.